Hello, I'm Pastor Keith Babb III, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of the Way Church of Tampa Bay. Our desire is that as a result of the word, that you no longer settle with simply coming to church, but you become the church. I pray that you enjoy this broadcast and that it challenges you, that it convicts you, and that it changes you. Thank you again, and let's enter into today's message. say this publicly I'm so proud of this praise and worship team not because they sing well we obviously know they know how to sing well and hold a tune but since Pastor Keith has given me a little bit of charge over the team um, one thing I've been trying to push in them is I can't teach them how to sing obviously that's not my area of giftedness but I've been trying to pushing them an audience of one. I don't care how good you sing. You've ever been somewhere, heard someone sing well and just no anointing? Olu, I'm so proud of you. Continue to let God use you. Don't, don't shy away from what God is trying to do in you. I know you've sung on many stages and in many groups, but let God minister through you every bit of pain, all of your testimony, all of your hurt that no one knows about, that you keep on the mind and on your chest, just give it over to God and somebody's going to be blessed by it. Amen. Thank you all. We're going to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. My husband is home with the children. I don't know if you're listening, Pastor Keith, but God bless you. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for entrusting me to stand behind the sacred desk. I appreciate you. I love you. And I respect you, not just publicly, but you know I respect you also privately. And I thank you for the man that you are. And I pray that God continues to give you every heart desire, every desire of your heart. Last week, we, um, I decided to kick off this John chapter 8, the Gospel of John chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. But really quickly, before we get into that, last week I told you that I was doing a sermon series, what would be considered a mini-sermon series called Her Story for His Glory. And it's basically um, us looking at the stories of women in the Bible, more specifically those who encountered Jesus while he was here on earth and seeing what those stories demonstrate about the person of Jesus Christ, what we can take from it. Therefore, the name, her story for his glory. Last week, if you were with us, thank you so much for tuning in. I know uh, Minister Rondell has already greeted those of you who are online. But last week, if you listened to the message, then you know that we learned from the woman at the well. And this Sunday, we're going to learn from the woman caught in the act of adultery caught in the act of adultery let's read God's word again John chapter 8 
verses 1 through 12, the New King James Version, and it reads, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stopped, stooped down, I'm sorry, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Verse 12. Then Jesus, I'm sorry, we're going to go to verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Let me pray before we take our seats. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you. Even as the praise team just ministered, we want to be with you. We want to be with you, God. And until we get to the point where we're, as Minister Rondell said, are forever in your presence, giving your name consistently all the glory that it deserves. While we're here on earth, oh God, help us to learn of your principles and your ways so that we can be with you in spirit until we are with you physically. We love you. And I pray that this time is productive. I pray that you would guard my mouth. And I pray that the word would only fall on good ground. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Brandon. Two-man band. (laughs) The woman caught in the act of adultery. So most of you have heard the story, right, of how me and Pastor Keith met. Most of you, if you've been around me, I talk a lot and I love, well, he loves telling this story. I don't too much. I'm slightly embarrassed by it now, to be honest. But most of you know, we met at a Wendy's in a drive-thru. I was working at USF and I started to um, pick up a little job, mainly because my mom made me and said she wasn't paying my cell phone bill anymore. And so I picked up this job at Wendy's and Pastor Keith came through the drive-thru and I gave him my number. Now here's, most of you have heard this story, the detailed version, but here's the funny thing. Pastor Keith was technically the second person to get my phone number in the drive-thru. He wasn't the first person. I know that's a confession. I'm going to confess publicly. He was not the first person to get my phone number. Um, Back home in Lakeland where I'm from, I worked at a Wendy's there too. And a guy would come through the drive-thru consistently. I mean, I don't know his name. I couldn't tell you what he looked like. But consistently, this guy would come through the drive-thru. I mean, multiple times throughout the week. And then probably about, I don't know, maybe two to three times, which is pretty consistent if you're coming through a drive-thru ordering the same stuff in fast food restaurant. And so finally, he broke me down with persistence, Chloe, and I gave him my phone number. I gave him my phone number, all right? I knew it was a bad idea when I did it because I feel like that's kind of tacky. Like, you don't really holler at nobody through no drive through window. And so I broke down, and I was like, fine, you know what? I'm going to give you my number. Now, honestly, this is not me trying to 
cover up, but I really don't remember if I talked to the guy. I don't remember if he ever called. If he did, it was five minutes, but I have no memory of him. I just have a memory of this incident, and I'm going to tell you why. One small decision led to this. One day, I decided to go back into work, and my phone rung. I didn't know the number, but I decided I had a few minutes before work started, so I'm going to answer the phone. When I answered the phone, a lady said, a lady said, your number was in my man's phone. Like, yo, man. I don't, you know, because I've forgotten about this guy, right? So this is a few days have passed, maybe even weeks. And so she just starts to go on and on and to describe him and to give me his name. And I hear kids in the back and she's all hype. And I'm thinking, I don't know. And I think just me not knowing was starting to make her even madder. She started getting more hype on the phone. I mean, this thing escalated real quick. I'm like, one minute I'm on the phone. Next minute she talking about my man and we got kids. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, what is going on? And then finally it dawned on me. The guy I gave my number to. Oh, this is, this is his girl. Okay. So I try to explain things and try to de-escalate the situation. It took me about 30 minutes. And it turned into a counseling session, really, because she's start telling me all their problems and I said girl listen I don't want your man I shouldn't have gave him my number my bad he didn't tell me all of that obviously and I would just remember thinking if I don't de-escalate this I'm probably going to get beat up because I don't know how to fight right uh, my brother Dominique is here my mama can fight my brother can fight, my daddy can fight, and that just skipped over me. I cannot fight. I'm not coordinated. I can't dance. I can't fight. I don't know how to use my arms and legs. That's why I write. That's my safe zone. I know you got to know your skill set. So I'm talking to this lady, and she on the phone, and I'm thinking, Lord, one small decision in this thing has escalated. If I don't de-escalate this, if I don't use my mouth, my giftedness, I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get beat up in public, in front of everybody, and this is going to be pretty shameful. And so thank God, he did give me that gift. Can't fight, can't dance. But I was able to de-escalate the situation. So I never got beat up. And I don't know if that has ever happened to you by a show of hands of those of you in here. No? Okay, I'm not talking about you gave somebody your phone number in the drive-thru. I'm talking about the fact that you did something and it escalated way quicker than you ever imagined it escalating to. That ever happened? You're like... I just did, I know I had a part and it was a little something, but this has gotten out of hand. I didn't really mean for all of this to take place. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I feel like life has a way of putting us in circumstances that we never saw coming. Never saw coming. And when I read this story, I get a vibe that this is a situation that got out of hand. This is a situation that got out of hand. We don't know because we don't have the backdrop, so we don't know if her sleeping with this guy was a one-night stand or if this was like a long-time affair where they had been doing this multiple times, right? We don't know that. Nonetheless, what we do know is this, or I won't say do know, but here's what I perceive. Again, Pastor Keith, I'm not trying to be eisegetical in my teaching. I'm just one woman reading another woman's story. And when I read this, I feel like the moment she got in the bed with that man, she never thought that she would be standing in front of one of the most controversial leaders at that time. I mean, this wasn't a rumor. This lady was literally caught in the act. Now, we're all adults in here, most of us, the, one, the kids are distracted. But if you're caught in the act of doing something like that, chances are maybe she wasn't able to grab a shirt or a pants fully. She could have been wrapped up in something. It doesn't say it, but I'm just saying this mob comes and drags her out. So we don't know what, what she looked like, okay? 
We don't know that. The scripture doesn't say that. But all I know is I have a feeling that that wasn't her intent. I think this escalated and I think it got way out of hand, way out of hand. And so maybe nobody's never caught you in sin and drug you inside of a church and told the pastor all of your business. This is pretty dramatic because that's what's going on. We just read the scriptures. He was teaching. He was sitting in the temple teaching and this lady comes in. So you probably can't relate to that specifically, but I believe that we all can relate to things escalating faster than we ever imagined. I didn't mean for that to go down like that. I was just going to drink a little bit. I didn't think I would end up on the side of the road with my friend having to pick me up and I'm missing my shirt. I didn't, I didn't expect all of that, right? We just do one little life decision can cause us to go the wrong way. So now whether you can relate to her or not, we all know how life can take us down different paths that we never knew existed. But here's what I believe. I believe, just like with the last story, if we examine this woman's story, it will reveal some things about Jesus Christ that will prove to be truths that we can hang on to, okay? Truths that will keep us from our, when our own dramas unfold. That's what we're looking at, right? her story for his glory. What is this scripture or this story saying about Jesus Christ that I can take now and apply to my life? Because I don't know about you. I'm saved, sanctified, and as old folks say, full of the Holy Ghost, but there's still drama seems to pop off in my life. One small thing that I didn't expect, okay? And so what we can pull from this, I believe, can be beneficial. So let's look at verse five, and we're going to skip around a little bit with this specific truth, but we're going to start at verse five. It says, now Moses in the law commanded us, this is the Pharisees talking, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? What do you say? This is the question that they asked Jesus. Now, y'all know from the last time I taught that I like to ask questions, Brandon. And so just like you, when we were talking about scripture, when I read this, I'm kind of expecting Jesus to have a follow-up question. Maybe because I'm a woman. I don't know. Because Ladies, can y'all help me out? We do this better than men. We will get to the bottom of a story. We will find the details. And if you don't give us the details, we'll go digging, right, Miss Smith? We are going to find some details. So if you have these guys coming to you and they're saying, but what do you say Jesus says too little for me? I'm like, you need a follow-up question. We need to ask some more questions. Like, I know you're not a man. I mean, I mean, I know you're not a woman, Jesus, but you know the law. You know the law better than them. And in Deuteronomy 22 and 22, it says that if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. So the best follow-up question I would have had was, what a man? If you ask me what we should say about this woman, where is the man? Because the law says they both should die. So we're, this is out of whack right here. What do you say? What do you say? Well, here's what I noticed. Verbally, he says very little, but non-verbally non-verbally he says a lot and after reading this more it dawned on me that he didn't need to ask any follow-up questions because his body language was doing all the communicating when I was studying this um, I realized this pastor Cole that commentators kept getting caught up in what he was writing on the ground that was so distracting to me because I'm trying to study and write this sermon and I'm like you know when you, you pull up the commentaries for this, they're like, oh, some believe he was writing the Ten Commandments. Or something. What? Where are y'all getting this from? It doesn't say any of that. Why are we focused on that? Here's what stuck out to me, the movement. You're moving too much. I don't know about you, Miss Alvera, but when somebody start moving too much around me, I get a little suspicious. 
get real suspicious. I'm going to tell y'all right now, this ain't got nothing to do with the sermon. Let me just talk from Serena's standpoint. If you move too much around me, I'm probably not going to trust you, okay? That's what stuck out to me. Research says that more than 50% of our communication is through our body language, right? And if that data is true, then no, Jesus is not saying a lot verbally, but he's saying a whole lot with his body. And let's see. Now, I'm just going to shoot these off because we don't have time and I talk a lot. The first thing he does is he bends down. I don't know about you, but if I come to talk to you and you bend down, that's a sign of disrespect. I won't say disrespect, disregard at the very least. You're disregarding what I'm saying. They come to him, but what do you say? Bends down. What? No, you need to get up. You need to talk to me. Second thing he does is he writes. Now, if the first thing he did was disregard them, this is clearly disrespectful right here. I don't know about you, but if I'm talking to somebody, they turn their head. That's one thing. But if you start getting busy doing something else, you really trying to send a message that you don't really care what I'm saying. Third thing he does is he stands back up when he gets ready to speak and he addresses them. To me, he's communicating authority. When I talk to you, I don't know about you, but my mom is almost six foot tall. And when she would get onto us, she would come and stand in your face. That was her establishing authority that I'm talking to you. So he stands when he addresses them. I love that he doesn't talk to them stoop down, but he stands to demonstrate his authority. Fourth thing he does is he bends back down again. There's so much moving. After he stands and he addresses them, he bends back down. Here we go. Because, see, I done told you what I had to say. Now I'm going to go right back down here doing what I'm doing, playing in dirt. <laughs> this is, Jesus is a hot mess with this one. Last thing he does is when they all leave, last movement is he stands back up again, addresses the woman. Again, establishing authority. Here we learn that no matter how dramatic our life situation is, Christ will keep his position. Truth number one, if you're taking notes, Christ will keep his position. Listen, in other words, there is nothing we can bring to him that will throw him off. But what do you say? They asked him. I'm going to show you what I say. I'm not thrown off by this. A whole mob came. Look at verse two. It says it was early in the morning. If you want to throw me off, come try to disrupt my day in the morning. That's the wrong time. So they come in the morning. He's teaching and they interrupt and he doesn't lose his composure. In fact, remember what we read. It said that he stooped down as if he didn't even hear them. What is he communicating? I have a position and, and I, I stand in authority and you're not going to deter me from that. Your drama, your life circumstances does not throw Jesus Christ off. Amen. His position remains composed. He was confident and he was consistent. What does that mean for you and I? That no matter what we're going through, what, no matter how dramatic the situation off is, he will keep his position. He will keep his position. He demonstrates to you and I that even if your drama becomes public and shameful and has your sin attached to it, my position does not change. Don't you love that? I don't know about you, but there's been some times in my life where I felt like I was going through a dramatic moment and I would tell a friend and they would be like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay, I don't know. We're going to have to figure out something. Jesus does not get like that. You can bring up the most craziest thing you did to him. You had a part in it. You played your little part and he doesn't get thrown off by it. This is, this is, y'all have to read this. Sometimes I think the issue is when people say, oh, the Bible is boring. I'm like, really? 
What are you reading? Sit and be still. This is a dramatic moment. This is like being in a church house packed and somebody come to try to prove a point and drag a woman in and say, yeah, we caught her out there behind the church doing all of this. This is dramatic right here. And Jesus, with all this drum in front of all these people, just stooped down, then get back up, then stoop down, then write, then get back up. That is amazing to me. He will keep his position. That's the first truth we need to know. Let's look at verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin or he who is without yet sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Wait, what? That's not a good answer. Like if I'm the woman at this point, I'm nervous because these men are already full of pride. They didn't get the man. They done came here. They busting up meetings in the, the temple. They done dragged her here. And Jesus basically says, well, if you don't have any sin, hit her. No, that's not a good answer. Because based off their reputation, they're prideful. They already don't think they have no sin, so they may actually hit me. That's not a good response. And so I'm a little thrown off by that. I'm sorry, but I was just like, Jesus, you're saying all this with your body language. And then the one time you do speak, you basically tell them, yeah, go ahead and hit her if you don't think you have any sin. That just does something to me. These men, listen, they don't care about her. They don't care about her. The scripture reveals their intent. We just read the story. They were trying to case up Jesus. That was their whole point of bringing her here. If she died, she died. They didn't care. They didn't care. They weren't there from her. And then Jesus says, if you don't have any sin, hit her. So as crazy as this may sound, here's what it reveals about Jesus to me. That he not only keeps his position, but he keeps his principles. If you're taking notes, he keeps his principles. Before we get here in John to this woman's story, we find Jesus teaching, right? More specifically in Matthew 7, he's teaching on different principles. And one of the principles that comes up in Matthew chapter 7 is the principle of judgment. And here's what he says. We've all heard it before in the first verse of Matthew chapter 7. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And he goes on to say this in the second verse. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Listen to this. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Listen, again, this had nothing to do with the woman. They did not care about the woman. They were judging Jesus. They had already formed an opinion about him in their minds. They already had some issues with him in their heart. They brought her because she was the bait to grab the bigger fish that they wanted. The scripture says it. Pastor Keith, if you're listening, that's exegetical. It says that they came to accuse him right? They came to accuse him. They were passing judgment on Jesus and she was debate. So here again, Jesus demonstrates to you and I so much, listen to this, so much about who he really is. He takes their own bait and uses it against them. If you don't have any sin, hit her. In other words, in keeping his own principle, Jesus uses the same measure of judgment, the woman, that they used to judge him. Y'all didn't catch that. Okay. It would have it warranted a different reaction. Listen, it's like he takes the bait and throws it right back at them. Here they come dragging this woman to try to, because they're judging him, to accuse him and say, hey, what do you think we should do with her? I don't know. If you don't have no sin, hit her. And he walks away. He uses the same bait. The woman was just the bait. But Jesus keeps to his principles. He keeps to his principles that if you try to judge I'm going to judge you using that same measure, that same very measure. And I think it's really important for us to grasp that truth. 
that he will keep his principles because it reveals that even in the most dramatic situations, we can trust that his principles will be at work. This is why it's so critical that we study the Bible because that's how we know his principles. He believes that what you sow, you're going to reap. He believes that you for, should forgive one another. Jesus believes that you should love your neighbor as yourself, not when you can tolerate them. Love them like you love yourself. He believes that if you judge, you also are going to be judged. That if you're real hard on people, they're going to be real hard on you when it comes time to judge. He believes in that. Those are his principles. And so as your dramatic stories begin to unfold in life, when you catch yourself in drama, know that you serve, if you serve Jesus Christ, that he will keep his position. He will stay in authority. He's not thrown off by it, but he will also stick to his principles. He will be merciful. He will be kind. He will be long-suffering. He will do that. Now, I don't know about you, but that's comforting, but it's also concerning. Comforting because when I'm in the heat of the moment and my life is appearing to be in shambles, I know that I serve a merciful God, but concerning because I know a God that believes in whatever I sowed, my behind going to reap. Let's look at verse 11. Real quickly before we go to the third truth. Another thing about his principles, we like to say this, but Jesus really does practice what he preached. He was just preaching in Matthew 7 about judgment and about mercy, and then he exercised it. He's going to keep to his principles. Let's look at verse 11. I'm doing a lot better on time today, right, Chloe? Oh, yeah, I see Pastor Cole put the clock. No excuses today. I tried to, use, I tried to sell you out last week, Pastor Cole. She didn't put the clock. Oh, okay, he listened to the message. All right. <laughs> verse 11. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, when I read or hear people speak of this story, Shan, they always mention mercy. Like always. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I don't disagree with it. I think it's a great example of mercy. But my problem is, is I feel like we harp on mercy so much. Like soon as people read this story, they're like, oh, Jesus is so merciful. And yeah, he is being merciful. But my problem with this is when we harp on that too much, it has a tendency of watering down Andre, the major point of this story, which is just opinion. But I feel like the go and sin no more part, I feel like that's the major part. To me, that's the major part. Why? Because, of course, Jesus was being merciful to this woman. But I love that the story, or the sentence, rather, doesn't stop after he says, neither do I condemn you. It doesn't stop right there. Because here's the thing. That's crucial, and it's important for us to know. If the sentence had stopped right there, it would have demonstrated his mercy, but denied his morality. It would have demonstrated his mercy, but it would have denied his morality. It would have left room basically for us to believe that he in some way was condoning her behavior. If he would have said, well, neither do I condemn you, we'd have been like, oh, man, God is just a gracious God. Thank you so much. No. He was very direct with her. Remember what I said earlier about his body language. He stood up. When everyone had left, he stood up and he addressed her, establishing authority. He says, I don't condemn you either but go and sin no more he was very direct with her he was very clear and here's the third truth Jesus will keep his purpose he's going to keep his position he's going to keep his principles but he will keep his purpose he was the light of the world the light that came to expose darkness 
He was not going to condone her sin or her darkness. Listen to this. Mercy is a principle, but his morality was his purpose. Morality. What is morality? Right and wrong. Okay. Mercy is a principle of his, but morality is a purpose of his. It's important that we understand Jesus will keep his purpose because it means that we are not off the hook with sin. No matter the circumstance, he won't condone your behavior. It doesn't matter if people mishandle your situation. I hear people, well, you don't really know how they treated me. They shouldn't have really put my business out there. And I had told them and nobody didn't tell the It don't matter. God is merciful. He will forgive you and he will deal with them and he will judge them according to the measure in which they judge you. But he will not condone the behavior. That, that sentence is so powerful to me. I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. Part of his purpose was to be light in a dark world. You would be causing me to be, you would cause me to negate who I am. I can't be light and be in the midst of darkness. That's so important for us to understand. When the, when the dramas of life begin to unfold, when things are all over the place and you don't really quite know what to do or where to go, and this is, you know, we, we get real emotional and I'm just going through a season. Know this. That if you had a part in any bit of that and sowing that early on, God is going to call you out. He's going to call you out on that. He, he's not going to condone that. He's going to be merciful. He's going to be kind. He's going to be gentle. He's going to be patient. But he will call out that sin. He's going to address you. Now, here's what I love is that the Bible describes him as a gentle redeemer. So we don't have to fear him in a sense of destruction, but we should um, give reverence because he will check that. Amen. I know that life takes us down so many crazy roads to the point where you're like, how in the world did I get here? I know I played a mess in this whole part, but this got so much bigger than me. So dramatic. You know, sometimes stuff will start out as a little health issue or a little, little depression, a little anxiety. You start smoking. Next thing you know, you got a full-fledged habit. Now, you, now people talking to you about getting checked into places didn't really start like that. I was just going through a little something, started to drink a little bit. Next thing you know, it's people smelling it through my pores. I'm having a squirt cologne to try to cover it. And it never really starts off big like that. It always starts off little. I don't know, maybe you had a little communication issue with your spouse. Now you got whole trust issues. Now, you know, I didn't really, you know, we were kind of going through some things. I kind of messed with this guy real quick, this little girl, and now we got this whole issue. This thing um, blew up bigger than what I imagined to be. That's how life does. One little life decision, and next thing you know, we look up and we're like, this is crazy. How in the world did I get here? Well, listen to this. No matter the drama, we serve a savior who is never thrown off by a circumstance. It's never thrown off. He knows how to keep his position. Even when we fail to remember, he knows the authority he has. Some stuff he'll disregard and some stuff he's going to stand and address in your life. I love that about him. There's nothing any of us could bring to him that would throw him off guard. It could be early in the morning. It could be in front of a bunch of people. Christ will never be unprepared. He's not like, oh, okay, let me think of something real quick. It's never unprepared. If this doesn't tell you anything about the personality of Jesus Christ, I don't know what does. This is a dramatic situation that we all can pull from. He will keep his position. He doesn't allow anyone to throw him off. I love that so much about him. Then we can trust he will keep his principles. Doesn't matter if the mistake was big or small. Doesn't matter if it was intentional or not. 
Jesus still believes in showing mercy. He still believes in being grateful, forgiving others, loving our enemies, turning the other cheeks, sowing the right things, and so much more. We don't have to worry about Jesus flaking on us in the greatest moment of need. He keeps his principles. You might feel like, well, okay, I know Jesus keeps his position, that he's going to remain cool, calm, and collective. I get all of that, but what happens, what is he going to do to me? He's going to deal with you according to his principles. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He's still going to be loving. He's still going to be kind. He doesn't care how big the sin is. Listen, this wasn't a rumor that this lady had been sleeping around with somebody, and she's married. She was caught in the act. She was caught in the act. That's pretty embarrassing. She was caught in the act, and he still was so merciful to her, so protecting, so gracious. He doesn't matter. I don't care what people are going to say about you, because you know it was a whole crowd there. Somebody went back home and said, girl, you won't believe what happened at the temple. You know that man who talking about he the Messiah? Girl, we was up there, and somebody, they, girl, they had a, yeah, she all she had was the cover around her, right around her, right there. And he told them that they can hit him, but, you know, they all walked away. Somebody was going to talk. Jesus doesn't mind. He's not thrown off by that. And he sticks to his principles. If he said, if he preaches mercy, he's going to demonstrate mercy, even towards us. And then lastly, we must never forget part of his purpose in our lives is to dispel darkness. He is merciful, but he is moral. He is merciful, but he is moral. He will never condone your sin. Never condone your sin. And here's the problem with dramatic stories. Remember the story I told you where I almost got beat up for giving a boy my number? One of the ways I got out of that drama was I had to confess. I couldn't keep playing her. How did he get the number? I gave him the number. That was my sin in that situation. Seriously. I know that's a funny story, but here's what happened. When we're in the midst of life drama, because life unfolds, it just unfolds real fast. It's like it starts one way and then it gets out of hand. And it, when I say fast, it's almost like background unfolding. So you're still going up, going, going to work. You're still getting up, going to work. You're doing your life, but stuff is just happening. Next thing you know, you look up and you're sitting and somebody's talking about divorce and you're like, how did we get here? So life can kind of do that to you. But in those moments while we're trying to navigate through that mess there's gonna come a point where we're gonna have to own up to the sin we cause you know what I didn't treat you like I should have treated you you know I wasn't as forgiven you know I held grudges or you know what I did step out I did do something wrong we're gonna God's gonna bring us to that point no counselor no spouse no pastor Jesus Christ if you're saved and you're full of the Holy Spirit, it will convict you. He has to dispel darkness. If you want light to come in, darkness can't sit there. I went through a moment with Keith. Someone gave me some good advice. We were getting ready to get married, and I try to stick to it. They said, um, before y'all get married, we were getting ready to probably like maybe a week shy of the wedding. He said, I want you to tell Keith everything you've ever done. It's none of his business. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He was like, no, he said, I want you to, it's going to start a trend for your marriage. He said, confess everything. He said, don't stand up there with anything on your shoulders, anything on your mind. Just put it all out there. Just put it out there. And I was like, okay, this, this is a little stupid because all this happened before him. So I don't need to tell him all that. You know, he ain't telling me Like, you know, I'm, I'm th trying to throw it on him. But I'm so glad that we did that because it set a standard in the marriage that we're going to be truthful. Might take me a couple of days. Might have to deal with it a little bit. See how I present it. But I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be truthful till it hurts. Because I, 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 I don't believe 
that God can operate, God being light, can operate in me fully with hidden darkness. I don't believe that. Never forget that God is merciful, but he is moral. He comes to dispel darkness. So if you had a part in it, then here's my advice to you. Repent and sin no more. Amen? This is the word of God. Where's Sam? I called you out because, Sam, this is the part where you play music and it sounds real nice when people pray at the end, when they get ready to close out the sermon. I got that from Pastor Judah Smith. He always will call the musicians up. He was like, I don't really need them, but I need them to come because it's going to make me sound real spiritual when I pray. Did y'all get anything out of that? I'm a, let me tell you this candidly. I didn't want to teach this message. Well, I won't say, I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to teach it. I didn't want to write it. Um, because when I first read the story, it was so short. And I'm like, there's nothing in this story for me. I mean, Jesus was just being nice. This girl got caught up in the midst, a little situation, and he got her out of the situation. He was being clever. But when the Holy Spirit began to speak, I'm telling you, I fell in love with this message. I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, to know that when life takes me down crazy turns, he's going to remain Jesus. He's going to stay in his authority to know that I don't have to wonder what's going to happen to me. You ever had your mom tell you or your dad say, I'm going to whoop you, and they're on the phone, so you don't really know if it's coming or not? That is, like, the worst. Like, I'm just like, just whoop me and be done. But when you, I have to sit and think about what's going to happen, that's real scary. And I love that with Jesus, it's the same way. If I make a mistake, I don't have to sit here and try to figure out, how is he going to deal with me? How is he going to punish me? No, my principles will still apply. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to be loving. I'm, I'm not going to keep any record of wrong. And then lastly, he's going to challenge me to say, hey, part of my purpose is to dispel the darkness. If you want me to come in after I've been merciful and show you a new light to walk in, then we got to get rid of this darkness. Life is going to take us down some crazy paths, y'all. But don't forget who he is. And what he's about. And I pray that if you don't remember me. And you don't remember this message. That at the very least you remember this woman's story. And that God begins to speak to your heart. I say this and I'll continue to say it. Life is hard. Sometimes we like to push in Christianity. Like oh it's perfect. It's perfect in that we have Jesus. But we still have to live this life. That's why he said. um, You know I'm leaving. But I'm going to send a comforter. He never said that it was going to be easy. He never said that. So we have to stop pushing that from the pulpit because we're setting people up. Oh, come get saved and your life is going to be better. No, all hell is going to break loose. It's going to get worse. But the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And once you're a believer, you're a part of the church. So even when hell is breaking loose, even when dramatic issues and circumstances begin to unfold Jesus will be who Jesus has always been and we can trust that and we can continue on despite the difficulties of life let's pray oh God we want to be where you are we really do but we're here and we're grateful for it Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that 
when someone finds themselves in a dramatic situation, that they will glean from this message. They will remember for those who have heard it and listened under the sound of my voice that you are who you say you are and you will always remain in position. You won't change. Some things you'll disregard and stoop down to and others you will stand and address. Father, I pray that also in the midst of those dramatic life circumstances that we will remember that you are the Lord God and you change it not. That you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that if you were merciful to this woman whose name we don't even know, that we too shall receive your mercy. Not because we deserve it, not because we really didn't play our part in this, but because it's who you are and you stay true to your principles. You practice what you preach. You're not a man, as the word says, that you shall lie, nor are you the son of a man that you shall change your mind. You don't, you don't preach forgiveness and then decide not to forgive. You do it consistently. You do it confidently. And for that, God, we thank you. Then lastly, Lord, may we never forget that you have to remain true to your purpose which is to dispel darkness. As your word said in John chapter 8, verses 12, that you are the light of the world. Let us never forget that while you deal with us tenderly, you have no tolerance for sin. And so may we be brave enough to allow you to check us lead us down paths of righteousness for your namesake we thank you for what this woman's story has demonstrated about the person of Jesus Christ and we thank you for how applicable it is to our lives we love you and we honor you and it's in Jesus name that we pray amen amen it's one thing to um hear about the teachings of Jesus Christ and to know about them but here's the thing if you're not saved and you're listening to this live stream I want you to know or you're sitting in a sanctuary listening to my voice I want you to know that Jesus does not walk the earth anymore physically okay he has died and been risen but he did send us his Holy Spirit and you can receive the Holy Spirit through salvation. And that's how all of what I taught today, those truths, that's how they can be real and relevant in your life. You have to know him as Savior. Because he's not here walking around for us to just walk up to. But his spirit dwells. And it's accessible 24-7. But that's only through salvation. And so what is salvation? Salvation is basically confessing with your mouth that you need a savior and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again and that he is that savior listen if you're listening to me there's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy you like Jesus Christ just turn on the news millionaires still blow their brains out Kate Spade we went to an outlet mall not too long ago her name is everywhere all on billboards all on stores that lady is in the grave and she put herself there 
I don't know what she deemed as success, but clearly it wasn't enough for her. She's right. None of it ever is enough. No amount of money, no possession, no person. Your husband can wake up and be the perfect person. Your wife can finally get it right and do everything perfect and they still won't be enough. Only Jesus Christ can fill that void. You have to believe that he died and he rose again. I get it. Everything in the Bible is it's not cut and dry and clear. But if you believe that part in your heart, he'll come in and he'll make the rest clear. He'll clean that up. So if you've never done that, if you've never confessed with your mouth that you believe that he died and rose again, and that you want him to be your savior, then now is a perfect time. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation because sometimes we think you have to do something real deep. Think you got to go sell everything, stop what you're doing right away. Jesus would tell a lot of them in the Bible, come. And they would just come and follow. So the invitation is still open. Just come. And let's say a prayer and we'll let Jesus do what only he can do, the divine work, which is sanctifying you. Let's pray a simple prayer if you believe that. Father, for we know that you died. But we also believe that you were risen and that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And that you're set to return again. We also know that we're absolutely nothing without you. There's nothing here in this earth that we need more than you. We need a savior. And so for the person, God, who doesn't know you, who's believing with me in this prayer, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will save them, that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit, and that you will lead them in the way that they should go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God for those who may have gotten saved. The second thing is um, life is hard. I said that in a sermon already. Life is very difficult, but it's easier when you have those who believe as you do and you're connected to them. I wouldn't be the person that I am. I wouldn't be able to survive on this journey if I didn't have men and women who also believed in God. And so we want to encourage you. It may not be this church but find a Bible teaching and a Jesus believe in church, like for real, not pray, even pray. I know a lot of people just pop up and just go anywhere. Pray and ask God where you should be. Ask him where you should be and who you should be connected to. We're all one body. Yes. But the local body is important that you attach um, yourself to and where you learn and grow and your disciple discipleship is critical. I think I'm sorry if anyone outside of, our race is watching this, but it's the truth. We are sometimes very terrible at discipling people. We're, very, we're good at getting them saved and making them feel good, but we're terrible at discipling. Discipling is a lifelong journey. You have to be taught, okay? None of us have arrived and none of us never will, but find somewhere where they're intentional about discipling people. And I'll tell you that here at the Way Church of Tampa Bay, Pastor Keith works his little heart out trying to make sure he disciple and put things in place and measures in place where people can be discipled okay it's one thing to believe something but you have to learn how to take it and apply it and live it out um, and so if you prayed about it or if you feel led that this is the church for you then send us an email at church office at waytampabay.org and we'll have someone that will reach out to you um, so that we can get you started so we can wrap our arms around you virtually and make sure that you're connected um, 
to this body. Amen. Pastor Cole, did I do everything? Okay. Um, thank you again for tuning in and let us receive Minister Rundell. Amen. Thank you so much to Minister Serena for that word, for taking such a familiar passage, but giving us a different way, a different outlook on that. So we have a few church announcements. Uh, first, we extend our condolences. We ask that our entire church family keep our own deaconess, Cindy Stewart, and Ari Stewart in prayer as they mourn the passing of their sister-in-law and aunt, respectively. We pray for the overwhelming comfort of the Holy Spirit for them and the family during this time. Uh, happy third church anniversary. This time last year, we celebrated our church anniversary, and although we didn't, yes, <laughs> although we don't gather corporately today to celebrate, we thank the Lord for his faithfulness in keeping us for three years. Put happy third year church anniversary in the comment box as we acknowledge the Lord's faithfulness over our church. That is awesome. Three years, that is an accomplishment, and we hope to continue going. We still have plans to officially celebrate our church anniversary in the month of August. We will share details as the date approaches. It is March, so that means it is Women's History Month. Um, it's Women's History Month, and next week, Sunday at 10.30 a.m., we will continue to hear from our women. Now, this I'm adding this in. I feel like we have an all-star lineup this month for March um, because, you know, we got some fire teachers coming out. Minister Serena, you know, she did her thing. Um, next week, we have Minister Chantel, and y'all already know it's going to be lit, okay? <laughs> so come worship with us and invite someone else um, to hear hear the word of the Lord. The doors of the church are open. We're so thankful for those who uh, felt comfortable coming in. The, um, we invite you, those who feel comfortable, to continue to worship with us weekly on Sunday mornings. Um, it is time for us to go into the house of the Lord, and we would love for you to join us. I don't know about y'all, but working from home, you know, especially if you're single, it's you by yourself. It's challenging. So I always enjoy just being with uh, my brothers and sisters at the Way Church. So y'all come on and fellowship um, each Sunday. Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, they're coming up. We're planning something big for both Sundays. So please save the dates, Sunday, March 28th, and Sunday, April 4th at 10.30 a.m. We're going outside. Um, we are going to Rolette Park Shelter 218 for worship. Bring your masks, 10 by 10 tents, umbrellas, families, and worship with us. Full details will be sent via email at This Week at The Way. I believe they've also released the flyers, so y'all go ahead and share. I know some people may not feel comfortable worshiping indoors, so that'll give um, others, visitors, an opportunity to worship with us since we are going to Rolette Park. Um, we need volunteers. So because we're worshiping outside, uh, we need greeters, servers, parking attendants, and more. If you would like to serve with us on Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday, send us a Facebook message or email us at churchoffice at waytampabay.org as soon as possible and let us know that you are interested in serving with us. So that is, those are the announcements this week. 
next we are going to give. Here at The Way, we give according to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So we desire for you to be a cheerful giver. Therefore, consider what you should give. Here are a few ways that you can give. If you're in person, you can fill out an envelope and present your offering to the uh, rear of the sanctuary as you exit. Website, you can go, um, you can give via PayPal through our website, waytampabay.org. Click the giving link to the top right of the corner and you can give securely through our website, Cash App, that's popular. Um, Our Cash App is the dollar sign, the Way Church of TB. And finally, you can mail in your offering to P.O. Box 280003, Tampa, Florida, 33682. Again, thank you so much for worshiping with us. And we invite you all to come in in person next Sunday. Um, And feel free to come outside when we have our outdoor services in the coming weeks. So if you can all stand as we benedict. God, we thank you for being our Father. We thank you for being our Lord. We thank you for knowing which way to go. We thank you, oh God, for your peace that's found in us, or excuse me. We thank you, oh God, for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, we pray, oh God, that you would continue to go with us and be with us be with us throughout the coming weeks. We pray, oh God, that even as we drive to work, as we deal with um, the, the day-to-day responsibilities of life, oh God, we pray, oh God, that um, you would change our hearts, oh God, that Uh, when situations arise, that we would deal with them in ways that are pleasing to your sight, O God. We ask for your guidance and protection and direction, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm confident that you didn't stumble upon this podcast by accident because God is sovereign. And whenever our sovereign God sends us a message for a reason, he wants us to respond. My prayer is that you respond by allowing the word to be planted in you so that it produces God's will for your life. Until next time, strive to not simply come to church, but to become the church.